What's happening, my Jack family? Coach Scott here, jackedafter40.com and shreddedafter40.com. Welcome to another episode of the Jacked After 40 podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Lawrence from Fit and 50. I'll include a link down below to his YouTube channel and Facebook page. Lawrence and I have a lot of similarities in our journeys. We both gained weight in our late 20s, early 30s. And in our 40s, we got lean and stayed lean and continued to improve upon our physiques in our 40s. And for Lawrence, into his 50s, he's been stayed lean for the past decade and continues to make some fantastic progress. Really looking forward to hearing about the insights that you gained from our shared experiences over the past decade. So please be sure to drop a comment down below. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do us a favor and smash that thumbs up button. We'd really appreciate it. Let's get that to, let's get to that discussion. Enjoy. All right, Lawrence. So you and I, I mean, we've both been pretty lean, really, actually really lean for, for several years now. And I think a lot of people have been following us for even a while, uh, probably assume that we have been lean our whole lives, but certainly not been the case for both of us. We've had different journeys to get where we're at right now, but uh, going back through your fit and 50 YouTube channel, uh, which has started, I think it's been close to eight years now. You've pretty much been lean throughout that, that entire process. And you started that channel after going through a transformation that looks like it took you about close to a year and a half to go through that transformation. But in that, some of those earlier videos, I, I enjoyed going back and watching those videos of you there. Uh, you shared some pictures of yourself when your son was born. I think you were in your early thirties at that time and shocked. I was actually shocked to see how you look. You looked so different. You were a bit heavier. So I'm really intrigued and curious to what your backstory has been like. Were you lean as a kid and, and as a teenager and, and then gained weight in your, in your 20s and, and around when you had a, a child there? What's, what's your experience uh, been like, like getting up to this point? Um, now, as a kid, I was a, I was a skinny kid pretty much the whole time. So I don't know if you call me lean or you call me skinny, but uh, I think that's pretty debatable. But I think I look more skinny than, than lean. I wasn't an athletic kid. I was active though. I, you know, I like to ride my bike and, and get out and do stuff, but I wasn't on team sports or anything like that. But the only thing I ever did was uh, cross country running and, and some track and field. The only contradictory thing in there was that uh, I was really good at shot put discus and javelin, which don't make sense for a skinny kid, with no muscle on them. Right. But, uh, for whatever reason, I kind of got the mechanics of those down and, and did fairly well in those events. But other than that, I had no real athletic background. And then um, as I got older, I mean, I did have an interest. I think around 16, 17, I got some weights. And, but I didn't make any progress uh, at that time. And I didn't really do the right kind of research, right? I read the bodybuilding magazines like everybody does. And so I didn't really make any progress. And then as time comes on, you know how it is. You get married and you get, you know, focusing on work and I'm going to say accumulating stuff, but you know, you want to buy a house, you want a car, you want, you know, and you want to provide well for your kids. And so then I kind of got into that. And so, yeah, that picture of my son with my thirties is a real eye opener at my heaviest. That's probably 190 pounds. So that would probably be the largest I ever got. I don't think I was in that picture with my son. And, and that was kind of the, the time when I always thought I'd, you know, 200 pounds would be something good, but it was around that time when I realized 200 pounds would be something bad, right? My gut hung over my belt and I was, and I'm very much a, a, um, 
a belly fat kind of guy, right? So I really had a lot of fat here and uh, not particularly a good look. So, um, yeah, that, that was that was not a good time. And I did manage to lose weight after that. I got down 150 pounds, but I didn't do it through, and that's something I don't really talk about a lot, but I didn't really do it through any sort of proper skilled diet. And I think a lot of people do it that way. I actually just did it through eating less. I took this many sandwiches to work. I started taking less sandwiches to work. But my dinner plate at home, I would draw an imaginary circle on it, keep my food within that imaginary circle, right? So I wasn't thinking protein, fats, or carbs. I wasn't that smart then, right? I was just thinking less food. So I was hungry quite a bit, but I got down and I did it. And I tried to balance the desserts and that sort of thing. Uh, so I did get down, not, not maintainable, not sustainable. And so I didn't stay down. And then the next real time were, were my health and stuff. And I, I did some, I liked cycling, uh, particularly mountain biking. I really got into that for a while. And we have a, a mountain just out in uh, Kananaskis country here, kind of out past Brad Creek, which you might not know where that is. But if somebody wants to look it up on the map, uh, we got some trails out there. And so I would go out there with my bike and it was fun. It was fun, but I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't enough to change my physique in any sort of way uh, or burn enough calories, I guess, or I just ate too much. <laughs> but but um, it was at that time that I got the divorce. And then I started doing a lot less, a lot less mountain biking, a lot less everything. And I wasn't a cook. So, you know, there'd become a lot more processed foods, a lot more packaged foods to try to feed the kids and to try to give them the kind of variety they were used to when, you know, we had someone who could cook in the house. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, uh, the quality of food actually went way down, even though it still looked good and tasted good. It, uh, the actual quality of food went down. And so that wasn't a particularly good time. And yeah, and it wasn't until my son turned 16, the things started to turn around and he had just broke up from a girl who had broke up with him for a jockeyer guy. And he was like, ah, I want abs. So I just wanted to spend more time with my son. You know, he was getting older and uh, I wanted the, that opportunity at 16. You know, every dad wants to kind of spend time with their kids, right? So it was a chance for us to go to the gym, work out together. We had a personal trainer kind of lay out a bit of a machine program, probably the basic program that I would imagine to give to almost everybody. <laughs> and anyway, we worked at that. And after about three months, I started seeing some tr changes. And that got me excited and interested because it was like, well, how did, you know, what, what's going on here, right? And so then I started to learn a little bit about diet and nutrition. But even in that picture you look at, that was almost two years there, actually. It was almost two years when you see that first real shredded picture of me. I still didn't have it right. I, again, pretty much starved myself to do that. And I think that was a, that, that was, you know, that's almost a double story, right? The two times in my life up to then that I got fit, I um, just about starved myself to do it. And that's the real change in my, my knowledge is now I stay lean and I don't starve myself ever. Exactly. And yeah, I'm sure lots, lots of similarities, definitely in our, our journeys. And it is lots of learning experiences along the way and we're still learning and growing. And I think that's the beauty of this, uh, this is this overall process. And it's been great to kind of see the path that it's led you on to a career of personal training and, and coaching and just wanting to 
not only gain knowledge from your own personal experiences, but also from research and, and book knowledge and from your clients as well. It just, uh, it makes it a fun path. There's no doubt about that, but very fascinating to hear how, I mean, you got up to 190. We're similar. You're a little bit taller than me. You're five, nine, 55 years young, 158 pounds. I'm five, six and a half, five, seven on a good day. <laughs> and, uh, Weigh about 146, 147 pounds. Uh, I'll be 46 pretty soon. Uh, but I got up to 190 pounds at my peak as well. It's, I find it interesting that like at that weight, a lot of people thought I looked great. And I still get comments from people um, that, that think I looked, they, they think like they're, they want to look like my before picture when I was 190 pounds. They're like, I did not feel good. Sure, I could hide it pretty well in a t-shirt or something, but like, I was embarrassed to take my shirt off. I wore a tank top at the beach. Uh, I just felt full and bloated and disgusting. It just um, just didn't sit well with me. It wasn't congruent with who I was because I grew up a very lean, athletic kid. And it wasn't until my mid-20s when I owned a health club, of all things, that I, I just life kicked me in the butt. I had just lost all control of eating, wasn't able to exercise the way I wanted to. And stress, um, lack of sleep and all that stuff really, really caught up to me. It's pretty fascinating to see that we are similar in that dream, similar at the weight that we topped off at and fairly similar to where we're at right now. And now, and you and I both enjoy staying lean. So what is it? I mean, we're both recording YouTube videos. We're in the public eye, which can have, can be motivating to keep ourselves lean. What are some of the other motivational factors for you or reasons why you like to stay really lean all the time. Yeah, I don't know if, it, if that entirely ties in with being really lean, but I want to be fit all the time because it really right. ties into longevity and be an act of longevity. You know, my father is in his 80s now and his health has declined. Um, but, you know, you, you realize those last years and I, I call them the suck years and um, you know, I'm, I, I want to avoid the suck years, honest to God. I know this is going to sound awful in some levels, but I want to go, 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 and then drop dead. I want my, my health span to go like this, you know, so it's relatively good. And then at the very end, it drops off and goes like this, you know, society as a whole, their health spans like this. And there's this big chunk of five years, you know, where life's quality is not very good. And then there's this two years that is really awful for a lot of people. And we're old enough now. And like I, a lot of my subscribers are in their 50s. We've seen a lot of people in these last two suck years, you know, where they're in extended care wards. They're, you know, at the end, it gets so that they're alive, but they can't enjoy the radio or TV or, you know, it's not great. And, and we have an opportunity and the evidence supports that we don't have to have those big suck years. And well, I don't know if that's necessarily directly attached to lean, but it is directly attached to my desire to stay fit, healthy, continue to build muscle, continue to strive to improve and continue to get better as long as I can. 100%. Yeah. I think the more you're moving, the more you're active, the more you're getting out and just trying to live your life to the fullest based on how you're feeling right now, it, it's the fountain of youth. There's no doubt about it. Um, one of my favorite all-time clients, 
that I coached in person. He came to me at 80 years old, never worked out a day in his life. And um, we really built up. He came to me shuffle stepping and didn't have any strength. It was kind of, kind of looked a little frail. And from there, like we built him up and I trained him. Um, he was 95 years old and he was like, great. I mean, he was maintaining his strength, actually making progress from 80 to 95. And then he had uh, a fall in the middle of the night. Oh, no. had, to go, had to go to the hospital, caught something there and um, ended up passing from that. But basically he lived his life right till that very end. And it wasn't, he wasn't in the hospital for very long before his, his passing, but he lived his quality of life. I mean, vacations in his nineties, going to Japan and, and hiking up these tall temples and everything like truly living a fulfilled life right till the very end. So exactly what you're talking about there. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's what it's all about more than anything. And, and this, this concept that we can't improve. And I mean, it, the misconception even comes in the forties where you're still relatively young. I don't think people understand how young 40 and 50 is, but uh, well, I, I when you become 40 and 50, maybe you understand it better. But when you're 20, you don't understand how young 40 and 50 is. It's not very old, right? It's not, they're not limiting ages. And yet there becomes a, a misconception out there where you can't build muscle in your 40s. You, build, you can't build muscle in your 50s. And I think where the misconception comes is there is some decline, less than people think, but there is some decline. But most people are like myself and, and maybe yourself. Sounds like you're quite athletic, but um, where uh, we never were anywhere near our genetic peak in our 20s. Right. Like if I was at my genetic peak in my 20s, there'd probably be some decline by now in my 50s. That may be a big line. I might show it on camera even. There might be some decline in my 50s. Right. But, you know, it's probably not even that much. It might be more like this. Right. It's probably not even that much of a decline. But I was never at my genetic peak in my 20s. So there's no decline. I'm still on my way up here. And where that line meets, I don't know where it's going to meet. But at some point in time, I'll hit that peak. But I could be 80. I don't know. You know, I don't know what my potential is. And, yeah. you know, and, and if I keep striving toward that potential, if we keep striving toward our potential, then, you know, we're never going to know where the limit is because we're going to keep trying to get better. Yeah, it's, it, it's, I mean, some of the guidelines out there, they can at least keep things in somewhat perspective of, all right, keeping, keeping at least our expectations somewhat realistic. Like we're not going to pack on, 20 pounds of muscle in a year, like we could have when we were younger, but yeah, like I, when I was 23 years old, I weighed 123 pounds. Like I was, I was small. And then I, then I got that, got up to 190, lost that weight. And I've been able to build over 20 pounds of muscle in my thirties and forties. It's definitely gotten way slower, like much. I'm like a pound a year for, for the past couple of years, but it's still, it's progress and uh, it requires patience. Uh, it requires like, I'm no more gone are the days of the bulking and cutting for me. That's for sure. I found that almost counterproductive to, to the goals that uh, I want to achieve right now. It's just had to spend way too much time dieting yeah. rather, rather than focused on, on building my body up there. So. Sure, I've seen some of your videos on it. So I must've gone back to some of your earlier videos. Uh, but it seems to me that I remember you, you showing a, a bulk and a cut in a video that I saw. Um, so how much did you gain when you, back in the day when you bulked? 
so I would gain typically when I started the bulking and cutting. So I, when I dropped the 50 pounds of fat, everyone's like, all right, dude, now you're primed for building. Don't worry about your abs. Just eat man. And, and, and start putting on size. And so I gained 30 pounds that first bulk and then went to diet. It took me like 20 weeks to diet that 30 pounds down and I was like, well, geez, it really wasn't like I gained a few pounds of muscle, but it wasn't significant. Like most of the weight that I gained was fat. I'm like, why gain 30 pounds of fat for like three pounds of muscle? And so then next time I was like, I'm going to do another bulk, but I'm going to keep it to 20 pounds, 20 pounds of fat, same like three pounds of muscle kind of thing. All right. Well, what if I gain just 10 pounds? And at that point I'm like, well, I'm still gaining the same kind of muscle, but now I'm spending less time cutting throughout the year and less, less of the weight that I'm gaining is fat mass. So, um, and now I just keep things in check. Like it's close to like five to seven pounds where I find is ideal for me and just keep it just a very gentle surplus, uh, when I'm building and every once in a while, I'll just do a little mini cut to keep things in check. So I feel good and perform my best and get right back to that gentle surplus again yeah yeah well, i guess that's pretty much the same way the same way i do it because i I'll, i only adjust my personal calories clients are a little bit different but uh i adjust my personal calories only by like a hundred a day like when i decide to go up i'll add a hundred in and wait a couple weeks and see what happens same thing when i cut i take a hundred out it sounds like nothing but it uh it makes a difference and i'm never in a hurry right? I'm not in a hurry to put body fat on. I'm not in a hurry to get shredded. I don't have a contest. I don't have a right. So it's time to, you know, drop some weight because I've, you know, been adding a bit and it getting a little fluffy for the YouTube videos, right? So (laughs) (laughs) if I didn't do YouTube videos, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, right? I might, but uh, it wouldn't be a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It does. It does keep us in check a little bit more, but I think also like we've kind of found our sweet spot where we do feel our best and perform our best. And um, yeah, it just, when we stay within that sweet spot, we're not gaining a whole bunch. It it doesn't take long to cut it off and we can still enjoy our life to the fullest. You and I both enjoy food and we enjoy just living a, a normal life. We're not all that different from a lot of people out there. So I'm curious about uh, your diet there. Now, I know, I think you mentioned a few times that you tend to keep things more in check during the week. And then on the weekends, you let loose a little bit. Is that still something that you, you practice on a regular basis? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess in, during the week, if I'm going to uh, treat myself, I don't really like the word cheat, Cause it always fits within, in my, my macros and my calories. Um, you know, I might have, you know, a cookie in and around my workout if I'm going to do something during the week, but for the most part, desserts don't happen during the week. Um, I, my wife and I, we have wine together on Wednesdays. That's something we do. That's the time we spend together. We're both very busy people and, and we we're off doing our own things a lot of times, but Wednesday's a day that we, you know, we'll play a board game and have some wine and, and catch up on conversation and, make sure we're connecting. Right. And so Wednesdays now that didn't used to be back in the day, but Wednesdays now I have a little bit of wine and then otherwise it's pretty much the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If I do anything extra Friday during the day is pretty much the same as a Monday to Thursday. And then Friday night we'll have a little 
different meal. We might go out to a restaurant or, or during the COVID days, we'll order in, right, and uh, have something a little bit different. Very cool. Very, so it's not complicated. <laughs> it's not overly yeah. complicated to, to, to stay lean, keep things in check. And I'm sure, like you, it, it's just it's structure. It's keeping things simple, structured, but having some flexibility and freedom to include our, our favorite treats into our lifestyle, making it fit your calorie target, your macro targets for the day. It's not, it's not rocket science. Yeah. For, for me, I think one of the things that helps is I look at my calories as per the week. I mean, you do have to think a little bit of your daily calories, and your daily macros, making sure you get enough protein every day. You know, I, I, I do believe that, you know, we should be getting at least 20% fat every day. Right. So I like my fatty foods. So I have a little more fatty foods on the weekend, but I can't have so much fatty foods. I'm overcutting fat during the week. Right. So there's a little bit of a balance there, but overall, I think of my, my calories and my macros on a weekly basis. And so that helps me balance it, right? So I know if I got an extra weekend day, I can trim a little through the week. So, it, you know, I know I've got a five-day regular week where, you, you know, that's an extra 500 calories if you cut 100 a day for that week. It gives you for that weekend. And if you really want to spread it out and you don't want to take too much, where you got that 500, where you got another 400, in the regular days after that long weekend, right? So now you've right. just found 700 extra calories and you've hardly cut any food per day. So yeah. it, it's when you think of it per week and you realize there's a bigger picture than getting too regimented by the day, it's easy to make it more flexible. And then things like vacations, I just don't even worry about them. But if you're going on vacation, you're on vacation. Not that I go food crazy. I enjoy food. I enjoy food now and I enjoy food on my weekends, but it's, it's a little different when I'm on vacation. I'm not going to be too strict. Right. Yeah. 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 100%. Um, I definitely, I find in fat loss mode, looking at my calories on a weekly basis is definitely crucially important for me. And, um, cause it is, if I'm going to have a refeed day in there, it's very easy to kind of balance things out, eat a little bit less through the week when I'm in maintenance or trying to build muscle, I do try to keep things a little more consistent, but I also find like maintenance level calories and a gentle surplus, like a hundred calories over my maintenance. Like that's a fair amount of food for me to consume. And even when I'm indulging a bit on the weekends, I tend not to go very overboard with my eating. It just doesn't, um, I don't like to feel overstuffed or overfull any anymore. Like I, I used to enjoy that feeling, no, I shouldn't say enjoy that feeling. That used to be my lifestyle. Pig out on the weekends and then diet during the week kind of thing. But now I, I, I'm a little bit more stable. And if I do go 400 or 500 calories over because I am enjoying a great time out with friends and there is great food around, then it's very easy for me, like over the next day or two, to wipe out that 500 calorie surplus. It's, uh, yeah, definitely don't stress over it. There's no guilt over anything that I'm yeah. eating. And, yeah. It takes time. It's, it's all like, even still after all these years of living this lifestyle, it's still learning, still growing and um, just finding what feels best to us. It's fun to experiment too. Yeah. I, um, I found it took probably five years because I could say now and for, again, for about five years, I do not get food cravings ever, ever. I, you know, and if I want one cookie, I can have one cookie, even though there's a plate full of cookies there, right? And I, I don't feel like I'm missing out, right? 
and that there was a time and for quite a while, right? Cause it's been about 10 years I've been working out. So that first five years where I still got cravings and bad habits. I don't know. I've told, talked about this on my YouTube channel before where I used to always get a chocolate bar. I used to always get two chocolate bars whenever I got gas. And that took years to fully break that habit. Right. Cause I, just cause I did it. So I'd be at the till and you know, most of my life I bought two chocolate bars. Right. So Took me a long time. I got down to one chocolate bar. Then I think I switched to uh, a pepperoni stick and some cheese. And eventually I just stopped. But it was actually that hard to do. It sounds crazy. But it was really a long process like that for that one specific scenario that I just did probably from practically the day I drove. Right. And that was a long journey to break me of that one stupid little thing. But didn't stop me the program. Exactly. Exactly. And, and again, that's yeah. Even if that those two chocolate bars were fitting into your weekly calories, you're able to maintain your weight following that and everything. It's just over time, you just learn to you make these little swaps here and there like, oh, I actually feel a little better making that swap. So it's like having a heightened sense of awareness with how your body's responding to certain foods and um, how it impacts your performance, your focus, your well-being and, and still enjoying those foods as well. But uh, yeah, I always used to, I was someone, if I had a cookie, I would eat, I would lose it and have to have a whole bunch of them. Um, and I can never understand like, how the heck, how can this person just eat one cookie? But you get to that point where like, I think for me personally, it was especially this flexible dieting lifestyle where you, you realize that I can have a cookie every day if I want to. Once you realize you can have one every day, like, well, I don't need to eat the whole box now because I can still have some more tomorrow. Whereas like in my, my initial transformation, when I dropped the 50 pounds, I was more on like the, the bodybuilding refeed approach, cheat day approach type thing where I had to be like perfect for at least a few days and then have my treat type thing. And once I adopted this flexible dieting approach, I kind of lost those cravings as well because it's like, well, if I want it, I can have it. I can make it fit my calories whenever if they want. Yeah. So that, that was a big mindset shift for me. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, in your journey, now you, your journey, because you've been finished, so I know now I'm asking you questions. Anyway, in your, in your journey, I'm just curious about how influenced you were by different diet trends. I was very curious with different diet trends. Um, and I never put like I never was dogmatic about anything. It was more curious and wanting to experiment with different things. I think initially like the carb cycling approach was very popular among the bodybuilding culture um, and even in the competitive bodybuilding circle. So that it just seemed to be the thing to do. And I did adopt that for, for quite a while. And then intermittent fasting really came out and people were raving about that. And for me personally, like I was always someone who like jumped out of bed and had to have breakfast right away. And I thought there's no way I can go extended amounts of time before I eat my first meal. And so I'm like, you know what, rather than discount it all together and say, there's no freaking way that's a stupid approach. I'm going to see if I can do it myself. And so I followed an intermittent fasting approach, like a, someone's diet plan for about six weeks. And that first time I followed that approach, it was, it was a weird approach where it was like you would have a 
24 to 36 hour fast. And then the next day, no, sorry, you would have a pig out. It was a cheat day. You just, nothing is, is off limits. So you have a cheat day and then they're like, well, the next day you're not going to be hungry anyway. So have a fast for 24 to 36 hours. And then they, the next, at the day after the fast was uh, like a moderate calorie day. So you're still in a pretty significant difference. Then the deficit wasn't as much the, the following day. There's, there's a unique approach, but I like that first time where I lasted 36 hours without eating. I'm like, holy crap. I never, my undivorced uh, currently, or for the past three years. And my, my wife at the time was like, if you pass out during this, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, I better not, I better not pass out during this thing, this little experiment here, but it really taught me what real hunger felt like. Um, and I, it, it allowed me to kind of pay attention to more of my, my hunger cues. So I did that for six weeks and it worked. It was no faster or better than just a normal calorie deficit. It, it all, like you said, like the total weekly calories is what matters most. A little while later, I tried uh, two 24-hour fasts uh, throughout the week, and then and I did that for six weeks to see, and I, and I was fine with that as well. And then I kind of started adopting the like 16-hour fast, eight-hour window of eating, and that worked pretty good. Now I just eat when I'm freaking hungry. Like I, I have my routine. I, I'm probably like nine hour window eating. So I could probably say I intermittent fast, but I would never label what I eat as anything. I just kind of taken different things, tried them out, keep what I like, discard what I don't. Yeah. And that's really the wise approach. I mean, for myself, when I was first getting into it, paleo was really big, right? So I was unquestionably influenced by the paleo style of dieting. Um, in some ways, it did a lot of good things for me. Uh, it got me on whole food eating which is still a cornerstone of what I do. I mean, it's not like I don't have ice cream or cookies we just talked about or cake or a chocolate or, you know, or maybe two chocolates. But, you know, uh, it's not like I don't have any of that stuff. But, you know, the foundation of the way I eat now is whole food eating, which I think I got that good from, from paleo. I did try keto and it worked. And I discovered 99% of the people in the world that say they're on keto aren't because it's very difficult to be in ketosis you got to log your calories and your macros religiously. And if you don't log calories and you say you're doing keto, you're not doing keto. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, I say it's a lot of work because you've got to be right spot on. And I never enjoyed it. Uh, you get that sweet mouth taste. And I even got the keto stick thing to make sure that I was peeing enough ketones. And, you know, so I, I know I was there, but, uh, yeah, I, I never enjoyed it. It, it, it did give me lean, but it's not a lifestyle. It's too limiting, right? Which is, I think, the problem with a lot of different diets that come up is they're very limiting. 100%. And that's, that's the thing. It's always about trying to follow a nutrition plan, creating your own personal diet that suits your lifestyle. It's built around your natural eating tendencies rather than trying to stick to some other dogmatic approach uh that's out there very cool to to see and hear that you you've learned a lot through experimentation we both like to we see things out there and and rather than just form a, an opinion based on what it is we're willing to experiment with it and actually see what the experience is like what have been some of the the biggest things the lessons that you have learned through your own personal experiments experiences and just through 
like research and, and learning uh, book reading and all that kind of stuff. Um, just in general, whether it's nutrition, whether it's training, um, and even just training over 40 and what, what's possible for us uh, in our 40s, 50s and beyond. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of what I learned is, is a very large window of ways to build muscle. Seems very hard when you don't have the consistency and stuff and you first started and everybody had their weight. Remember my early years, I told you when I used to lift weights and didn't get any progress. Yeah, so it seems hard then. But then when you start to understand the right principles, you can apply it to, you know, body weight, to weight training, to bands, to, you know, I mean, I actually, my original transformation was done primarily with dumbbells and body weight training, right? And those principles, you can apply to anything to build muscle. And I think that's the part where people get very dogmatic. They think they need to lift weights or they got to do body weight training and they have, you know, they have it all separated when really the, the window and the way you can build muscle is really wide. Even things like rep ranges, for example, and um, training styles, and training programs, which gives a guy a lot of freedom, right? Like um, I, I change my programs. I don't know. It's hard to say. I was going to say a lot less frequently than most guys because I, little tweaks make a bigger difference in a whole new program. Right. right. But other guys, you know, every two months are doing a brand new program and that can work too, as long as overall you're, you're making it progressive. Right. Um, but as much as I say that, like right now I'm training hundred percent with resistance bands and really enjoying it, but I'm continually experimenting right now. Right. So I could be doing a different exercise. You know, I, today I've got shoulders. I'm probably going to do shoulders and arms today the same way I did them last time. But like I did, you know, back and chest yesterday, which is a different split for me, by the way, usually I'm full body or upper lower. And, and lately I've been doing the traditional, that's not quite traditional body building split. And I still hit them twice a week throughout the week, but um, it's a little closer to a, a bro split almost again, and, except it's not single body part. When I used to do a bro split, it was single body part. I did chest, I did back, I did, now I kind of pairing them up a bit. Even, even legs, I guess you could just say their legs, but they're hamstrings and quads primarily, right? So, mm-hmm. so those ones are kind of paired up that way. So I'm doing that right now, but um, yeah, because I'm doing bands and I'm experimenting a lot with the bands. It's not unusual for me to throw in a new exercise almost every day because I'm like, well, okay, well, how's that exercise feel? How's that one making me respond? And uh, so I'm trying a lot of new stuff right now. Right, and that's just, I think. That's being playful. And I think that's a fun part of this journey, especially when you're trying something new and there are a lot of different options out there. It's not like you have to be super scheduled all the freaking time. Don't be afraid to let loose an experiment like that uh, from time to time. And I'm sure your body is definitely going to respond. It's not like you're intentionally doing it to muscle confusion or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just a fun way of experimenting. So again, you can learn for yourself how your body's responding to that exercise and share with your clients as well, which is, and, and your subscribers on your channel as well, which makes it a lot of fun. I've definitely picked up a few different exercises from, from your videos, especially with the bands there. You're definitely getting creative. And I freaking love that band setup that you got uh, going on there right now. Those look like some serious heavy duty uh, resistance band cables there to, to use in your home. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Coral bands are definitely a, a different a different attitude toward bands. They're like, uh, you know, they're, they're, if, uh, is there such a thing as hardcore? If you go, I think if you really were going to go hardcore, you know, you're like an elite FTX kind of band. They've got 400-pound bands, right? Like, you know, which I, I'm not sure how usable those are for the average person. 
but they do exist. So I should be a little bit careful when I say hardcore because, you know, if you've been done your research, there's more hardcore out there. But for the average person at home, these are going to take you as far as you can go. I mean, I, these bands are heavy enough that I can pull my body with them, right? Like I can stretch them out and I can do a row bracing with all my might and I'm not rowing the bands, I'm pulling me toward the bands, right? So what that means, well, it means I'm, I'm too light for that exercise. I need to do a different exercise is what that means. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm physically, you know, trying to work with more, more resistance than my body weight. So that's what that means. That means I need to do, that's hence why I experiment. But uh, yeah, but once you have that level of resistance, you know, you're challenging yourself, right? If you've got enough resistance that you, you're pulling your own body, you know, then you know you have enough resistance. So they're that heavy duty, that hardcore. It's not like you don't have something at your house that's not going to challenge you. Absolutely. Very cool. I can totally relate to that on many levels as well, especially being a lightweight. It's very tough. Like once being a lightweight and being strong makes it difficult, even with certain cable exercises as well, can, can be a challenge to, to brace yourself. Uh, we're definitely sound like very much on the same page as well with it in, in regards to structuring workout plans. And I'm the same way where I like, I'll follow a plan for typically like three months at a time, but I'll, I'll keep most of the exercises in there, the same swap out a couple, maybe swap the intensity technique that I'm using that time as a form of varying the progressive uh, overload there. So it's, uh, it's been fun. I find that strategy that, that, uh, that has worked for me rather than in the past, I used to every month, completely different program and, and it worked. I mean, it, it does all things work. Like, like you said, there's so many different strategies that can work. Some are definitely going to be better than others, but most work. And I, I, my body has basically been built mostly on bro splits. Like that was how up until my mid thirties, I was all bro splits and I was like pro bro split. Uh, and I really had to have an open mind when it came to different training programs. I couldn't understand how can you do full body workouts? Like that's just boring to me. But then I opened my mind and you start playing around with it. And actually the first, the first split I ever tried was like a upper lower push pull leg split. That was my first deviation from a bro split. I was like, wow, this is kind of fun. And then I did upper lower, upper lower. I'm like, this is all right. Then I just did push pull legs and like, let's try full body. I'm like, this is all awesome. Like it, it's all great. And it really is the beauty of all this. There's, it all works. I think the best thing is like the novelty of change as well. Not being so set in your ways with a specific split that we have. And even how many days a week you're training as well. I think it's nice every once in a while to, to change up the days a week that you're training, see how your body recovers. So I think that's one of the most in, important things for, for us men over 40 or 50 is paying a close attention to how we're recovering from the different stimulus as well. Yeah. Well, I look at another study here right now. Um, and it's, it's one based on um, losing body fat and, and improving cardiovascular fitness. And again, they have them training every day, resistance training five days a week. I see that a lot. Now I know you've done that. I personally have never done full body training. Well, I say resistance training five days a week. I've definitely resistance training five days. I've done six days a week. Um, but uh, full body training five days a week is just something I've never done. And I know that you have and you've enjoyed it, but I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit of feedback from you as to, as to how you found it. Because like the study I'm reading now, they claim that they did 
four sets to failure, which is physically impossible because they have 60 seconds rest in between sets and 10 reps. And I don't think and they'd use new, newer lifters, not even experienced guys. And I don't think you can go to failure and have a minute as enough recovery time and do the exact same number of reps again. So, so as much as that's what the study says, I don't think that's the reality of it, but still they were pushing these people fairly hard. Yeah. Yeah. 60 seconds rest and to still hit that same rep range with the same load would be very tough. I, I would assume for, especially for compound lifts. Um, but it, it was a fascinating experience. I've done it a few times. It's you really got to be careful with managing the volume and, and spreading it out and how you structure that volume. Like I found um, it, it was important to have like a strength focused day and like the six to eight rep range. And then um, a lighter following that, like a lighter high rep day, like super high repetitions and then a more moderate day and then um, a bit, bit more heavier there. And, and the types of exercises used as well. Like if I did heavy squats and heavy bench pressing and, and pull-ups or something for that first day, the next day would be like leg extensions, leg curls in the high rep yeah. range. Like some, so it really was being very, you'd be smart with the exercises that you were selecting on the certain days, the rep ranges that you were using on certain days and keeping the volume in check, but it's, you can add a whole lot of volume for each body part. It's amazing what you can accumulate and still recover from. Now, mind you, that's something that I would only use in the short term, like no more than six weeks of that, because it does, especially if you're using it as a high volume plan as well. Uh, it, I find it takes a toll on you and it loses its novelty <laughs> at the same time as well, but it's fun to throw it in every once in a while to, to challenge your body in a different way and your mind keeps the enthusiasm high. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of, uh, it, was, it was a real thing there for a while. I just could never seem to see how I could program it successfully. So I always kind of stayed away from it, but definitely alternating, say more compound with more isolation the next day would, would be a, a way. And then like you say, a strength high rep, I could see maybe, but yeah, I, I'd have, I think I personally would have a tough time recovering and, and train the way I like to train. I'd have to hold some back and that that's never been a motivating factor for me, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's different. And, um, and yeah, pain, cause certain, like I could like training in the six to eight rep range, I don't experience much muscle soreness. Whereas sometimes like in the higher rep range and you're getting that pump, that metabolic damage, um, and stress there, like those are the workouts that I'm like, I feel the delayed onset muscle soreness there. And you have to plan, make sure you're planning for an off day after that, or your next workout has to be structured in a way that, you know, you're going to be a bit sore and, and just yet you're still training. And sometimes like that, that training stimulus the next day helps loosen up those muscles, gets that fresh blood flowing to it and actually helps them recover. So it's still, it's all fascinating. It's all fun to experiment with. Uh, and that's the beauty of this. It's again, a great way to learn and grow through the process. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very cool, man. Um, this has been fantastic. I respect your time. This has been uh, just a great discussion overall. I'd love to have you on again. It's just, uh, it's been fun following your journey. It's been great getting a little bit more insight. It's a little bit more backstory into Mr. Fit and 50 here. 
Um, just here, just hearing a little bit more there uh, from the story leading up to where you're at right now. Just, uh, I really appreciate the content that you put out. You are definitely you're on top of the research game, and um, I love how you keep things concise and and to the point. I can ramble and drag things on for a long time. So I always, when I see your videos, I'm like, how is he covering that topic in under six minutes here that you do it like very concise and to the point. So I, I appreciate the effort that you put uh, into your videos and uh, the knowledge that you're sharing with all of us out there. So, so keep up the great work. We'd love to have you on here and discuss uh, more great things, gain more insights into what's working for you and different experiments that, uh, that you're trying with yourself and um, even hearing the results at the end of this summer long resistance resistance band program that you're following here if you've noticed anything at the end of, of this process before getting back to like normal dumbbell barbell routines would be fun to yeah. talk about as well yeah, yeah, Very yeah cool, brother. working on what i want to do for the for the winter here because i'll probably take this right up to winter and then uh, yeah onto something new oh, right on man very cool very cool all right, Lawrence, thanks a lot for everyone watching this podcast. Head over to Fit and 50 on YouTube as well as on Facebook there. Check out Lawrence's material. You will love it. It's You're entertaining at the same time. I love all your B-roll footage that, are, that you have in your videos and all that stuff. It's uh, informative, keeps me entertained through it the whole time, and uh, you're doing a great job. So go visit Fit and 50 on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please do us a favor and smash that thumbs up button. We'd really appreciate it. You know, a fellow bro, fellow bro over 40, over 50, who would enjoy this um, this podcast, gain some insights from there, please do me a favor and share it with them. Before you go, don't forget to download your free guide, Jack After 40. Have yourself an amazing day. Catch you in the next podcast.